From WNAT in New York, hi, I'm Tom Stewart, and welcome to WNAT Up Next, where we take you behind the scenes for a look at what's happening in the world of public media and help you get to know the people who create our programs. Treasures of New York has been on the air for a couple of years now, and with the arrival of spring, we thought it would be fun to go on a bit of a treasure hunt and find out what the Treasures team has been up to. And to kick things off, let's meet Diane Michelli, the multi-talented executive producer of the program. Diane, Thank welcome you. to WNATF Next. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. Treasures of New York, what's it all about? Well, it's also one of my great pleasures. Treasures of New York is our signature iconic, award-winning local documentary series that really looks at the historic establishments that play an important role in the fabric of our communities. And we have 30 completed episodes. Wow. And this year, we have 11 new episodes coming up in the next season. Who actually came up with the idea originally for this? It was an idea that our CEO, Neil Shapiro, came up with, along mm -hmm. with some of the leaders in our community. I mean, you know, as you know, public media uh, really is one of the premier places for arts and culture programming. It's a place where you get that kind of programming that's very unlike anything else you see on television. And so, you know, looking at our mission and the kinds of programming that we do and being in a place like our area, New York, which has some of the best arts and culture institutions in the world, why not celebrate those and really bring them to life for our audience in a way that we hadn't done before? So that's where the, the series sort of was born. And, you know, with the success of the first episode, Lincoln Center, we've mm -hmm. been able to grow this series in five years to be, you know, something that's very prolific, that people really like and respond to, and that people are always asking us to do more of. So that's what I'm most proud of. That's I great. I spent a, a wonderful hour recently learning about Stanford White, mm -hmm. which was a, a great program with Dick Cavett as mm -hmm. the host. Uh, yeah. Tremendous hour. Yeah. And he, he has an interesting story because... Dick Cavett has a house that was designed by Stanford White. Um, there's a whole documentary about his house. Tick because, Hall. Yes, because called. unfortunately yeah. it burned to the ground. Thankfully, no one was hurt from what I understand. And Dick Cavett and his wife found the original blueprints for the house and rebuilt it. Yeah. You know, exactly the way that Stanford White had envisioned it originally. And so he was the perfect person to host that documentary, Treasures of New York, Stanford White. It was great and a great story. And the thing I find interesting about treasures, we use the word institutions, but you have people, uh, Treasures of New York, you have museums, you have all kinds of different th subjects. It's very varied in what you do. Yeah, and I, that's one of the reasons why I actually love the title, because I think it's a huge umbrella, and I think that a lot of things fit under it. And, you know, we are really fortunate to live somewhere where there are so many people, places, and things that are yeah. true treasures and have a really positive impact on the quality of our lives. Yeah. Um, and that's what the series is all about. And so to be able to celebrate those things, those people, and those places is really exciting for us. Incredible output uh, that you guys do. And it's a, uh, a team. I was about to say it's yes. a huge team. No. You don't, you don't have a huge <laughs> no. team. But, but, but teamwork is definitely a big part of uh, the way I see you rolling out uh, what you do. Could you talk a little bit about the team and, and how you work with the people you work with? I really do believe that everything that we do is a team effort. It's not just my team, but every part of our company has some sort of touch point to the work mm. that we do. So globally, it's a team. But in terms of like the actual like day-to-day -day work, 
it is a small team of people that does all of that work and then some. Everybody is very collaborative. Everybody has their specific assignments. Nobody works on one thing. Everybody mm. is multitasking and working on many projects at the same time. That's great. And we're about to meet uh, some of the members of, of yes. your Treasures of New York team. Yes, which I'm they're looking forward fabulous. Joining us right now is a member of that great team. Uh, she's the senior producer of Treasures, Allie Gimble. And Allie, it's a welcome back to WNET Up Next for you. It's great to have you with us again. It's great to be back. Thank you so much, Tom. What's coming up in the spring? Yeah, we have nine treasures that are currently like really full speed ahead in production right mm-hmm. now, five of which are airing this spring between great. now and the end of June. First, in March, Treasures of New York, the Drama League. Right, which we're going to talk about. So as senior producer, what what is your role? Uh, what does that really mean? So we have, as Diane mentioned, a, a small but very capable team working on all of these treasures all at the same time. So I'm really helping all of the producers in various capacities, depending on what stage they are in their production. So it might be working with one of the producers and helping them on their script or um, making sure that all of the sort of check boxes that you have to do in the production process get done while at the same time also sort of lead producing some of these treasures myself too. So it's really exciting and a great opportunity to be more involved Mm -hmm. in more of the treasures that are going on rather than just the ones that I'm working on. Sounds like you're having a good time. It's great. You know, know, it's like a dream job. The Drama League of New York. This is an institution that I don't think a lot of people know about. So let's tell them about it. Unlike some of our other treasures, the Drama League isn't so much of a place. Right. They're more of a behind-the-scenes organization and group of people who are really committed to enriching the drama in New York and across the country and around the world. Their reach is global. They provide resources primarily to the creation of plays. They also celebrate drama and have the oldest theatrical honors in America, which I had no idea when I think of theater honors, I think of the Tonys or the Mm -hmm. Drama Desk Awards, but Mm -hmm. the Drama League Awards are actually the the first theater awards in the country and are the only theatrical awards that are voted on by the entire theater community. So this is off-Broadway, on-Broadway, regional theater, uh, everything. Yes, and it's very unique. And then they have this Distinguished Performance Award, which they actually nominate a whole host of performers every year from Broadway and off-Broadway. And then one person a year wins the Distinguished Performance Award, and they can Mm -hmm. only win it once in their lifetime. Oh, wow. And it was really awesome because we got to film the Drama League Awards in 2016, Mm -hmm. which is something that it's not a private event, but it's not something that that's really seen as much by right. the public. It's not broadcast and on national no, television. Or. No, it's rarely seen on television. And so we really had this incredible access. That's great. And they, a lot of their work, I believe, is is supporting younger artists and playwrights yes. and directors. So yes, and they have they a, a very important part of their uh, institution is supporting young directors. And they have fellowship programs that they run every year. Uh-huh. They bring early and mid-career theater directors in and give them opportunities that people in this industry rarely get. And so we got a chance to follow the 2016 Directors Project Fellows as they explore and go through their journey of directing their own productions in regional theaters. Um, And then also talked to some Directors Project alumni, people like Diane Paulus, who was the director of Waitress on Broadway right now, Mark Brokaw, Michael Mayer, some of these 
you know, incredible artists now who all came out of that program. And we were so lucky to get Norm Lewis. He hosts and narrates and what a wonderful person and also what a wonderful voice to have part of this production. And he was just a joy to work with. And we are so excited that he is a part of Treasures of New York Drama League. It was so interesting to see how much the Drama League has enriched the theater and theater in New York are like the same. You know, you can't yes, imagine New York without the theater. Yeah. So it's it, it was really interesting to like learn more about this organization and go into their history. So Treasures of New York, the Drama League of New York, will mm-hmm. be hitting the air very soon. Yes, um, March 23rd on WIW at 8 p.m. and March 26th on 13 at 7. Sounds great, Ellie. Yes, we're very excited. And we're back again with Diane Michelli. Diane, another Treasures we're looking forward to visiting this season is going to take us to a wonderful, one-of-a-kind museum here in New York City, uh, the Museum of the City of New York. Now, I think a lot of people don't know a lot about this museum. It isn't the most well-known museum, but when people go to it, they're amazed because it's dedicated to looking at the history of New York City, which is fascinating. And they have one of the most amazing collections of artifacts that really bring the city story to life in a way that you don't see everywhere. So it's it's something that we're really excited to be able to bring to the forefront so that more people do know about it. I know there have been some renovations uh, at the museum recently. Yeah, um, a big part of the documentary will look at this new exhibit. So the museum decided that because it wasn't the most well-known museum in the city, and there's many choices of museums to go to as a visitor or even a New Yorker or somebody from the region, and to really sort of utilize all of the wonderful assets that they have in the museum and to bring the city's story to life in a way that is modern, but also, you know, celebrates the past. They decided to make the whole first floor of the museum what they call New York at its core. From the minute you walk in the door, you walk through the history of the city of New York through this exhibit, through these three galleries, and you see all of these artifacts that they have that tell the story of the city. And a lot of the documentary shows how that exhibit came to life. The idea of it, how it was curated, how it was put together, how they had to like take Q-tips and clean the chandelier that they had in the back closet for so many years that they're now bringing out for the public to see because it exemplifies a part of the city's history and really sort of see how this exhibit was put together. And then there's a whole technology part of of it about the city of the future. Mm -hmm. So it's very interactive and it's really exciting. And any specific challenges that you had in in telling this story? The challenge of telling all of these stories is really capturing the essence of the story in a half hour or Mm -hmm. an hour, which seems like a lot of time, but it's really not. I mean, and you want to be able to make sure that you are capturing, you know, the history of the institution, and in this case, the history of the city, in in a sense. In a half hour. In a half hour. (laughs) So that's, that's the real challenges the storytelling and to really sort of be able to exemplify the institution or the person or place that we're um, we're talking about. Now, I know that uh, the air date is available. Do we yes. actually have an air yes, date? Yes, we do. Treasures of New York Museum of the City of New York will be airing on Thursday, May 4th at 8 o'clock on WLIW and Sunday, May 7th at 7 p.m. on 13. And those are the regularly scheduled time periods mm-hmm. on WLIW and 13 for Treasures of New York. 
That's wonderful. Uh, one more question. Uh, yes. We are in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Treasures of New York is not a New Jersey series, but I understand there is going to be a Treasures of New Jersey. Yes, we are doing our first Treasure of New Jersey. Hopefully it won't be the last, and hopefully it will be as successful as our Treasures of New York series in, you know, building off of the first one. The first one is on the FDU Florum campus, Fairleigh Dickinson University Florham campus in Morris County, New Jersey. And the campus is 178 acres. And part of it is a former country estate of socialites Florence Vanderbilt and Hamilton Twombly. It is a beautiful facility. And the documentary looks at, you know, the whole campus, but particularly at that home, which is now a part of the campus, and lucky students who get to go to school and class in that beautiful building. Sounds lovely. Look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, again, Diane, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And of course, there's no shortage of performing arts here in the New York area, but Staten Island sometimes, I think, gets a little overlooked. But there's a great theater there. Uh, it was built in 1929. It's becoming a major cultural center, and Treasures is taking us there. So right now, we'd like to welcome Sasha Schechter, who's going to fill us in on the St. George Theater. And she also worked on the Drama League uh, as well. I did. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. So the St. George. Yeah, the, the St. George Theater is a classic old theater formerly a movie house, on Staten Island in the St. George neighborhood of Staten Island. Tell us a little bit about that history. Yeah, so the St. George Theater was uh, initially built in 1928 by a gentleman named Solomon Brill. Uh-huh. went by Saul Brill. All right. Um, and it was uh, built as a performance venue, and it kind of evolved over the years into many different roles mm-hmm. in this St. George area of Staten Island, which has always had a more urban feel to it than the rest of Staten Island, which was was very suburban. Mm-hmm. So while it, while it started as a performance venue, it became a classic movie house. Um, it was it was a great space for vaudeville. You had all kinds of names coming through, like uh, Al Jolson, Kate Smith, and eventually actually uh, was taken over by several different people in the Staten Island community, and they had a whole new vision for it. They said, all this right. isn't a theater. Uh-huh. This is a nightclub. Oh. This is a different kind of space. They went in, they physically changed the structure of the theater, took out, you know, theater's traditionally have rakes in them. So when mm-hmm. you're sitting in your seat, wherever you are in the theater, you have a good sight line. And, and that's what the rake is for, so that you're sort of stacked behind the people right. that, you're, that you're sitting behind. But they leveled out the floor so that you could, you could go in and you could dance. Um, it was an antique shop at one point, a flea market, these kinds of very non-performance oriented spaces. Wow. And eventually it fell into disrepair. No one really wanted it uh-huh. um, until this family uh, stepped up to the plate, the Capazzalo family led by the matriarch of the family, if you will, Mrs. Rosemary. She was quite a personality on Staten Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of those people that if you walk around the community, people know who Mrs. Rosemary is. There's a street named after her. Oh, uh, wow. She owned... A community and, leader. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and she saw this space as something that was very special to her. And so she stepped up and she said, well, if I, if I create a nonprofit, will you give it to me? And it worked. Mrs. Rosemary and her three daughters decided to to take this under their wing, and they were going to bring the theater back. So they went in, these these four incredibly strong, brave, bold women, um, 
And for a while, they were, you know, setting out their own folding chairs because there were no, if you think of a theater, a classic, beautiful theater, you think of red velvet seats, plush mm-hmm. seats. And that's that was the vision for it when it was built in the 20s. Uh, but they didn't have that anymore. Yeah, so they got taken away. Exactly. It was gone. So they would set out folding chairs for a while, and slowly but surely, uh, they fundraised. They, you know, they had a little bit of help from their local officials, and they got the theater back on its feet. And today, it is once again a thriving entertainment performance venue. That's a great story. And what do we see there? What kind of uh, events go on there? It's a really diverse community space as well as a performance venue. So you have big names coming in, like Tony Bennett, who is who's been a wonderful supporter of that theater. One of the visions that Mrs. Rosemary and her daughters had for this theater was that it would be a space for the community on Staten Island and certainly for the community in St. George. So while you have Tony Bennett performing his classics for the local community who now does not have to travel to Manhattan to see world-class talent, you also have community events like their Christmas show. When I say Christmas show, you think Radio City, right? Sure. Right. So you think of the Rockettes. So... In St. George, you have the Richmond Dets, okay. um, and they do a community show which is performed by hundreds of volunteer performers, volunteer artists, musicians, and they put this show on. It serves as a fundraiser for the theater, but it's a way for the community to come together during the holidays. And, Sounds delightful. Yeah. And is get, there high kicking? Is there a chorus of high kicking? There the is. Richmond Dets? There is. I, I encourage you to go to oh, go see maybe, it sometime. Maybe ne- next year. It's great. So you've been out there filming. Tell me what that's been like as a filmmaker. It's been really incredible. I think one of the privileges that filmmakers who work at WNET get is you're not just, you know, going to a set, getting your shot and going home. It's really about understanding the community that you're entering. So Staten Island, particularly, you mentioned, sometimes it's the forgotten borough. There's a very strong sense of community on Staten Island that's different from the rest of New York City, I think. It's a privilege to capture, understand, and elevate community voices. I think that's what public media offers that's unique from other media outlets. I think we, we're preserving community history. We're, we're telling our community's stories. And it's it's so special to do that. That's great. Sasha, thanks so much for being with us. It's a great story. Thank you, Tom. And of course, the New York and Treasures of New York is not just New York City. Uh, Treasures has gone upstate, places like Fort Niagara, Alexander Hamilton's home in Albany, among other places. Let's go in a whole other direction. Uh, Let's move on to some hiking. And to tell us more is another member of the staff of Treasures of New York, Marissa Wong. Marissa, great to have you here. Thank you, Tom. This is called Rails to Trails, and I have no idea what that means, so let's start at the very beginning. Can you define that for me? Yeah, so it's very interesting. You actually, if you live or have visited New York and ventured out of the city, particularly north, you might have explored a rail trail at some point and not even known that you were on a rail trail. A rail trail is essentially a multi-use trail or path or or greenway that has been created out of an abandoned railroad corridor. Okay. So 
It's actually very much about America's love affair with the railroads and with with trains. You know, there used to be a vast network of freight and passenger railroads uh, that ran the expanse of this country and that uh, really helped us develop economically, culturally, and historically. And over time, as those rail lines have been consolidated and kind of uh, broken down and abandoned, they've left these swaths of railroad corridors throughout the country that have now been picked up for trails. So the film kind of covers not just the trails, but also the history behind them and kind of where we've come from. Those corridors or those railroad right-of-ways are really perfect for trails because they are flat and they are the perfect foundation to create a trail that people then walk on, they bike on, they walk their dogs, they take jogs in the morning. So I first encountered my first rail trail coming to New York and riding out of the city. There's a trail called the South County Trailway. And you can take your bike up through the Bronx into Westchester Uh and you can ride for 25 30 miles just on a trail. You're not being stopped by lights. It's completely flat, and it's gorgeous. It's a great idea. It's really kind of a whole movement, I understand. Governor Cuomo actually just recently, in his State of the State, announced that he's creating this Empire State Trail, which is going to be 750 miles. It's going to be a network of the existing trails around the state, but also uh, they're going to create 350 miles of new trails. So if you haven't been on a rail trail, chances are in the next five to ten years you will. It will happen. The whole idea of it and making this network, it seems to me that we don't know enough about it. And I guess that's what you're a part of, is trying to get this this message out there. Yeah, uh, so it, this isn't just happening in New York State. It's happening all over the country. There are uh, thousands and thousands of miles of abandoned track. Most people, when they think of a rail trail, they might know about the High Line uh, because it is— Which is here in Manhattan. It's here in Manhattan. It's uh, definitely New York City's— uh, Kind of one Very of its urban jewels. version of a, of, a, of a trail. Right. You can walk from around 13th Street in, on the lower west side of Manhattan up to the Javits Center on 34th Street. There are native plants. Um, it's elevated from the street, so you can see the city from a completely different perspective. So for a long time, I think when people thought of rail trails, they think of the High Line. And we're showing them with this treasure that actually if you, uh, if you venture upstate, There's the walkway over the Hudson, which is uh, one of the longest pedestrian bridges in the U.S. Uh, There's the Erie Canalway Trail, which follows the entire length of the original Erie Canal. So there's lots of history there. And there's new trails that are being developed and proposed, and it's a very grassroots effort. Uh, It starts in communities, oftentimes with volunteers who say, like, let's do something with this with this railway corridor, mm-hmm. um, which actually also stirs up a lot of debate. So through the treasure, we kind of follow those different examples of rail trails. There's a proposed trail in Queens called the Queensway that is going to uh, go through many different neighborhoods from Rigo Park and Forest Hills down to South Ozone in Queens. So those very diverse neighborhoods could potentially have a trail running through mm-hmm. them, and people can explore those neighborhoods on foot or on bike, whereas, you know, Queens is a driving borough. So it's a completely new way to see the city. That's great. And where are you now in the process of the film? So we have finished shooting. We've covered five different trails, the High Line, the Walkway Over the Hudson, the proposed Queensway Trail, a proposed trail in the Adirondacks, and the Erie Canalway Trail. So that sent us to all different corners of New York State. And now we are in the process, uh, the difficult and challenging process of taking those five very different stories 
and weaving them into one cohesive film. That, is this only a half hour? This sounds like this should be longer than a half hour. It's 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 an hour, fortunately. Okay, good, um, and good. it's it's going to be beautiful. We have footage of the fall foliage as seen from a drone above the walkway over the Hudson. Uh, we have, you know, we kind of get down and dirty in, in, in Queens where, you know, we're, we're kind of scrambling and hiking through these old railway beds and there's littered with trash and things like that. Um, so it's a very diverse film with a lot of history. That's terrific. It's Marissa Wong. And she's here talking about uh, Treasures of New York, Rails to Trails, which will be coming up uh, sometime later in the year. So uh, not to be too corny, but I'll, I'll see you on the trail. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Well, from hiking the trails to tennis, uh, let's fast forward a bit and start thinking about late August and Treasure's visit to the U.S. Open. Allie Gimble, back with us. What do we need to know? Yes. So, um, like the Rails to Trails program, the U.S. Open is a very unique Treasure's in that it's a sport. It's a sporting event. Right. And how cool for us to be able to feature probably the most watched sporting event in the country that happens right here in New York. And to really do a deep dive into the history of this tournament uh, and the impact that it's made not only on the sport of tennis, but on the city of New York. Oh, it actually goes back to Rhode Island originally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the history is just really fascinating and something that we're going to explore a lot in this program, which I think is what's really great about the Treasures series. If you watch tennis, you probably know a lot about the U.S. Open. If you've been there, you know what it's like, you know what the place is, you've seen the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. But you might not really know a lot about the history of so it. You're really and going how it's really backstage and peeling back the curtain. Exactly. Of, you know. and, and how it really goes back beyond beyond the just the creation of the open era of tennis, but back to its origins as the U.S. Nationals. Were you a tennis fan before you got involved with this project? I had great respect for the sport of tennis, but I did not. I'm not a tennis player. So I'm really learning a lot and definitely becoming a tennis fan the more I get to learn about it and meet some of these tennis players, too, in the process. It's that's great. really well, that's, amazing. We look forward to that a little later in yes. the year. You know, Already I'm feeling like I have to like put on a white towel and put on a little outfit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Be, I always like the people who uh, catch the ball, the ball boys, the ball girls. You know, the We amazing. actually did interview some ball boys oh. in the 2016 oh. Oh. Open. Yeah, so we're, um, cool. we're going to be featuring, highlighting some of that activity as well. Again, with Treasures, we get to fun. show you some of the stories yeah. that are really behind the scenes and even from going up into the roof of the new Arthur Ashe Stadium, mm -hmm. which just was unveiled last summer. So some really exciting uh, points of view. You know, here at WNATF Next, we're in New York. We're talking about Treasures of New York. But if I live in Duluth, for example, can I watch Treasures of New York? Absolutely. And where do I find it? Absolutely. Um, if you go on our website, wliw.org slash treasures or 13.org slash treasures, uh, that will take you to our Treasures of New York website where all of our treasures are available for streaming online in perpetuity, usually. Terrific, terrific. Do you have a, a, a short list of treasures that if the stars align correctly that you would personally like to see done? If you I, can say in that my dreams, loud. I would really love to do a Treasures on the New York City subway system. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that that is such a fascinating story and I love infrastructure, so I think that would be really great. Um, and I would love to see, um, I'm kind of an amateur 
food aficionado, and I would love to see some more, some treasures that focus on some of New York City's food history. Wow. That's you know, another whole series. It's a whole, it could be a whole series. A whole series. Elliot, it's been great to have you here, and we also like to thank Diane Michali, Sasha Schechter, and Marissa Wong from the Treasures team for sharing their stories with us today. Well, that's it for now here on WNAT Up Next. Uh, we thank you for listening, and please join us again soon. We'd love you to share your questions and comments with us at upnext at WNAT.org, and we do hope you become a subscriber. WNAT Up Next is a presentation of the design and on-air promotion department of WNAT New York. I'm Tom Stewart.